So I wonder how many of you have a category in your mind, whether you've grown up in and around uh, this thing that people sometimes refer to as, as church, um, of God as a spouse. The idea that, that um, in this world of kind of romance, that, that there's a, a place for some attributes of, of the creator of the universe. Uh, I think it's, it's probably few reality. I grew up um, going to a Sunday morning gathering uh, my entire life. My mother was maniacal about it. Um, but she was also maniacal about romance novels, too. And um, I got acquainted with used bookstores because my mother would take grocery sacks full of those little Harlequin novels and exchange them at the used bookstore. Um, and uh, I, I gained a, 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 a sort of small appreciation for these things because every once in a while I would pick up one and begin reading it. And after I'd picked up two or three or four, I discovered they're all kind of the same. Um, they just sort of switch players out. And, um, but in the, in, in the modern times, uh, if you listened, for instance, to the uh, Kelsey's Brothers podcast, you heard uh, Jason Kelsey talk about the bromance between Kelsey and Mahomes and being jealous because that was his brother and he wanted to come to Kansas City and sort of get in on the, the bromance. And so we become comfortable using this idea you know, uh, for male relationships and this idea of, of a bromance. Um, but, but let's think for a moment about the, uh, the Bible. Um, I, I happen to believe that it's, it's the, the words of God left for us. And so we hear him speak mainly here uh, in these, these pages. And, and oftentimes, for those of us who are on a spiritual journey, uh, especially if we get a dependency for something that happens on Sunday morning, you know, we come here uh, for an hour, we get a dose of the ghost, and we leave. And, and it, that's good enough. You know, that's, that's good enough. But it's, it's good enough for a very thin and little satisfying spiritual journey. Because you and I were made for so much more. We were made in the image of this creator God. And, and so we have this, this uh, capacity for relationship. We have this capacity for relationships that are probably deeper than we'll ever experience in this life because of the disobedience that has entered into our world and our lives. We have been convinced at some point that, that we can pursue this kind of uh, soul-satisfying stuff in other ways. And so, for instance, some of us this afternoon, our whole lives will be on the line. I mean, our very identity will be on the line. And whether the Chiefs win or lose is a big deal. You know, because let's face it, your romance with the Chiefs was over on Christmas Day. Right? When we were beat by the 
team not to be named. And it's like, give it up. That sort of is characteristic of this idea of what we think of in terms of romance that's found in Harlequin novels. And, and we think of in terms of, of a husband and wife relationships, spouses. Um, we, we, we saw that. We laugh at that sketch because it's us. You know, I've stood many, many times on a stage, this stage, in fact, uh, with, with some of you. And you've said incredible things to one another of which you have taken back months later. Either by your actions or even sometimes by your words. We make these uh, incredibly uh, wholesome, uh, powerful commitments to one another. And, and yet we somehow seem to disappoint each other when we find ourselves in a relationship of man and wife, husband and wife. Um, it just, it, it, it somehow doesn't work as well as the script says it does. And yet when you make the, the sort of switch and we go over and say, okay, let's, let's go over and look at God like this, how does that work? How, how do we find ourselves dealing with the mechanics of uh, the idea of, of romance that we have you know, today, uh, bromance, whatever it is, you know, just as a, as a small sidelight, um, this has nothing to do with the message, but it is my prayer for this afternoon. I, I, I sense that Chris Jones um, really could use more of Jesus. And it's no, it's no secret that Brock Purdy has a lot of Jesus. And so I'm hoping they meet a lot today. I'm hoping that they have a chance to talk deeply many, many times. And Brock can sort of help Chris in his spiritual journey while we beat the 49ers. Um, it's kingdom, kingdom thinking right there, kingdom thinking. But that would not be a bromance, would it? That would be a great disappointment. So let's think for a moment about the Bible itself. Let's start in Genesis um, I will be finished before kickoff, and <laughs> let's, let's, let's move through a, a, a few epics of the Bible to kind of um, touch this idea of, of God acting like a spouse. You see, the creator God of the universe, um, I believe it is heart. Uh, if you draw a circle and you put a pie chart together and say, okay, here, what are the attributes? You know, justice, righteousness, love, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And, and, and I think you would find at the center of that, the hub of, of those attributes would be a concept of generosity. Is that the creator God was, was generous. And, and that's why he, you and I exist. He created us because he wanted to give away the life that he experienced in the community of that Godhead we call the Trinity. He wanted, to, he wanted it to, to multiply. And so he created humanity to give that away. And so right at the very beginning, from, from the beginning of Genesis, God is in the habit or, or he's in the business of creating a family. He's in the family business. And if you pull out the first half of the Bible, and you begin to read it for yourself. And, and I'll just say that your spiritual journey will never go anywhere until you learn to read the Bible for yourself. Depending on what happens here, 
depending on what happens in a group that you might be in, a men's group or a women's group or a, a co-ed group or whatever, or, or the podcast you listen to or, or whatever it is, your spiritual journey will be a sixteenth of an inch deep. It might be 16 miles wide, but it'll only be a sixteenth of an inch deep until your fingerprints get on the pages of the Bible for yourself, until you hear from your Father. And when you hear from your Father, it's, it's when God has the ability to be a spouse. He has the ability to show you what it's like to bring you into his family, to help you be a part of, of what family is all about. You were built, you were made, you were, you were structured, your, your deepest parts of you as, as a human being, the most fully alive that you can be, the most fully human that you can ever find yourself is finding yourself in the midst of God's family and highly involved in the family business. That's what you were made for. And all of the searching, all of the trying, all of the attempts to do all the things in life to find fulfillment and stuff is, is secondary to figuring that out. Because when you figure that out, it's like the timing chain of the engine. Do we still have timing chains and engines? I don't even know if we do. No, no, no. Yeah. I, used to, I used to have to time my little Volkswagen V-Dub, you know. Had a timing light and everything. And, and I remember a moment when I uh, was working on my VW engine and timing it, you know. And, and trying to get that thing to purr like a kitten, you know. It's like, and you got this white... Um, grease paint thing on the, on the belt and it's got a hit on the, the grease thing. It's on this flywheel and, and I'm sitting there and, and, I, and I got it. You know, I got it. And so I unclipped, unclipped the, 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 the light, which is hooked to the battery. And, and there's just kind of a special way you do that. I didn't realize that. Uh, there's a kind of a special way. And so just at that point, my dad drove up from work and I'm sitting there and I'm holding this thing and I unhook one of the the uh, things from the battery, and all of a sudden, I can't let go of the thing because I'm being shocked intermittently as it comes around. And my dad walks up. Now, my father, there, there are two people in my life that have, have really uh, modeled and, and, and done more to, in my spiritual journey than anybody else. One of them is my father. He was a, a, an incredibly loving guy, but in this moment, his love was found in letting me sit there. <laughs> and he's just looking at me, you know, and I'm thinking, do something. <laughs> I, I, can't, you know, I can't let it go and that kind of stuff. Well, um, he, he just calmly said, you remember what I said about which uh, clip you take off first? <laughs> I certainly do. <laughs> uh, I took the wrong one off, you know, and, and, uh, and he just, he, he, he waited long enough for me to learn a lesson that I would never, ever do that again. That's the kind of love that my father had. <laughs> Gentle, caring, you know, it's probably why I have an extra heartbeat right now. Um, but when, when we think about God as the creator, as in the family business, he wants to be a father. But we see in the Bible pretty clearly after Adam and Eve decide that, that 
what this creator God had done for them was not enough. It wasn't enough. They wanted more. And it's kind of the cardinal sin of, of all of humanity. It's never enough. You know, people look at us and think, you know, you won last year. When do you have to win this year? You know, it's never enough, right? We, we want another Super Bowl. We want another Lombardi trophy. In fact, we'd like to see Patrick get four, maybe five, six more. So he truly would be the GOAT. But unfortunately, in life, that wanting more is, is a problem. And so we see the father wanting to build a family. And as we follow the narrative down through the first half of the Bible, we begin to see that God develops a relationship with a small nation. It's through this man named Abraham. And, and ultimately, uh, his descendants become the Jews. The, the nation that God chose to sort of enter into earth and, and continue to build his family. And so, in this moment, we see the father actually become a husband. We, we see the father wooing his kids to get into his family. And, and when we look at the pages of the first half of the Bible, we see this nation of Israel, these people who, who he cares for, and yet they continually um, prostitute themselves with other gods and all kinds of stuff. And so whether you're looking in, in like Jeremiah or the book of Ezekiel or the book of Lamentation, you, where, wherever you look, you'll see God, the Father, acting as a husband to woo his wayward wife back into the family. And in fact, when you get to the book of Hosea, uh, there's a story that is so explicit it's hard to miss when Hosea's wife becomes a prostitute. And she bears children with other men. And, and all of a sudden, at the, in the pinnacle of this book, Hosea finds his wife who is, who is sunk to become a slave. And she's being sold on the, in the public sector, in the public block, as a slave. Hosea comes and buys her back and installs her back as his wife. And God uses that book to help us understand this is what the Father, the creator God of the universe, the Father now acting like a husband, wants to do with all of his children. He wants to woo them back into the family in such an incredibly ridiculous, irrational way because we don't know love like this. We, we, we don't know love like this. What we know, you know, is, is sort of people who love us because of. And they love us because we're going to bring really great guacamole dip this afternoon. You know, they love us because of our salsa. Or they love us, you know, for this or that, you know. And, and, and there are all kinds of because ofs that we feel that we have to earn people's merit to be loved and to be liked, to fit in. And yet, the creator God, who becomes the father and ultimately the husband, decides to break that mold. And God doesn't love us because of. 
He loves us in spite of. I said there were two people who, who have taught me more. Uh, one was, was, was my father. The other is my wife. She has taught me more uh, about what it's like to, uh, to be forgiving and, and to be flexible and, and all kinds. Of, and she's taught me more uh, about what it's like to love someone when they're hard to love. Because there are moments in our lives when both of us are hard to love, really hard to love. And there's this one passage in the Bible. Uh, I, I use it in every marriage ceremony that I've ever done. And in fact, if you ever have to suffer through a marriage ceremony that I, you know, second one I've done and third one I've done, he, does, he doesn't change what he says. He's just got one thing he does. That's right. I do, you know. Um, and I always tell the men, you know, today, uh, this beautiful lady here is moving from uh, maybe your girlfriend or your roommate or whatever, you know, she's moving from that category to a whole different category. She is going to be your wife. You are publicly standing in front of everyone and saying, this is my wife. And the Bible has something to say about how a husband treats his wife. It, it, it compares a husband's love for his wife or a husband's commitment to love his wife with the commitment that Jesus had for his children. He, he went to the cross. He, he died on a cross in our place. He sacrificed himself. The last full measure of this life Jesus gave so that we could feel the love and be a part of the family of God. It's that kind of love that, that God says that a husband should have for his wife. And I, I will guarantee you there is nothing more beautiful than, than a woman well-loved. When, when you're around it, it you, you, you see the, the unique nature of what it's like to have a wife that's well-loved. And for me, as a husband, there's been nothing more radically transforming than loving my wife than pursuing an opportunity to serve and to love her and to, and to want to do the things that Jesus talks about in Ephesians 5 that Jesus did for the church. He served us as children. When, when we understand and, and sort of grab a hold of the idea that, that we are born not as children of God, and then we come to a, a grips with the understanding of what it's like to begin pursuing, to live into being a child of God. As Jesus says in John 1, 12, to as many as showed him hospitality, we begin to invite Jesus in and have that hospitable relationship with him. We, we begin to experience the beauty of what it's like to be a child and feel that love. And we, we begin to feel the, the reckless, the irrational love that God has for us. And when we begin to move back into the pages of the first half of the Bible, we see Israel. And we begin to realize that you know, God does so much provision for them. He gives them so much stuff and he protects them and cares for them. And yet they keep wandering off and doing things. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, that's me. That's me. My Father in heaven is loving me in ways that 
I've never been loved before. And, and when that happens, when you begin to feel that love, it transforms you deeply. In, in the deepest places, the hidden spots, even the dark areas of our life begin to be transformed. But the question for us is, are, are we going to stay in this sort of creator creature relationship, you know, I, I, what am I doing to, to enter into and enjoy and begin to experience God as, as a spouse, to begin to experience his love? It means I have to own up to the crap that's in my life. It's what confession in the Bible is all about. You got to say the same thing with God about the stuff, whether it's the small stuff, whether you just, you know, consistently just your image management causes you to lie on a daily basis. Or, or, or whether it's addiction, or you're cheating on your spouse, or, 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 or you're, you're just not right because you're, you're finding yourself viewing things on the internet that just are rotting your insides. You know, whatever it is, it's just a matter of God creates a safe space. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm guilty. And, and in the chemistry of, of that love that the Bible calls grace, in that chemistry, as we say the same thing with God, all of a sudden we begin to realize that God's love doesn't diminish. In fact, it seems to grow because we feel it more. It's not growing. God's love doesn't grow. It, it's just, it is but we experience it. We feel it. That's why Paul says in Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, we were yet enemies of God, Jesus died for us. It goes on to talk about Abraham, that Abraham was once an enemy of God and, and now he's a friend. And God makes us a part of the family. And it's that kind of spousal love that he has for us that draws us in. But the fact is, is that many of us skip through life never experiencing that. Because we never get our fingerprints in the Bible. You hear from people like me. You hear from, you know, songs on the radio. You hear from podcasts. You hear, you know, but, but you never have this personal moment. The kind of experience that no one can take from you. It's not a mediated experience. It's not coming through someone. It's an immediate experience. It's you. And you feel face-to-face -face with the Father. And when you feel face-to-face -face with the creator God of the universe who loves you in such with such reckless abandon, you start to change deeply. The darkness that seems to draw you starts to go away because you realize that there's another power greater than that darkness. And you're drawn to the light. And you, you begin to not explain what's happening to you because what's happening to you is by the power of God's Spirit that is beginning to transform you to someone else. Someone more whole, someone you were meant to be,
a child of God, experiencing the love of the Father in uncomparable ways. You know, we have uh, every week we put out some, some passages of Scripture. Uh, it goes out in the app, it goes out in the email, um, and it, it, I would challenge you this week. They're all about God's love. All five of them are. Just pick one. Pick one. If you don't have a Bible, get, get out to the, the resource center. And, and, and they'll help you, you know, pick a readable Bible for you. And, and if you don't know your way around the Bible, that's okay. If you turn to the front of your Bible, it usually has sort of a road map and directions. Help you figure out you know, how to find things in the Bible. Or we've got a read the Bible pamphlet out there that does the same thing. And so the idea of, of this week for you is just to take one 30-minute segment and just experience firsthand the love of the Father. Let me just read one of those as I close. It's found in the book of Romans. Paul is writing to, you know, obviously people who live in, in Rome. And it, it, it's an, a phenomenal passage. It's kind of thing, it's the kind of space that you need to sit and think about. Sit quietly and, and believe that, that God is real, that he exists in three persons, that the spirit is, is a person in and of himself in the Godhead. The spirit will be alive in those moments if you allow him. And just to sit in this passage... Now, we only have two verses listed today, but I would encourage you to read the whole thing. Read, read, start from 31. That's where I'm going to start. What then? Shall we say in response to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God's at the core of the creator God is generosity. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then can condemn? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ. Shall trouble or hardships or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as a sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And this is the, these are the verses we have listed. For I am convinced... That neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing 
That's God as a spouse. That's God doing what he commanded husbands to do in Ephesians 5. Love your wives as Jesus Christ loved the church. The church is the family of God. So this week, my hope and prayer for you is not just that you attend a Super Bowl parade, (laughs) but that you have a, a, a moment to open up the Bible, open up your phone, um, read this passage, have it read to you if need be, and sit in that and soak in that to think, wow, what can separate us from the love of God? Neither life nor death, nor principalities or powers, nor things present or things to come. Who? Nothing. Nothing. God's love His ability to be a spouse, to draw us into his family and to love us in irrational ways is limitless. Let's pray. Father, um, we are so grateful that we can use that term, that you are the God of the universe. You are a judge, you're righteous, uh, you're powerful. All of those things are true about you. But at the same time, What is true about you is that you have a tender side. You have a side that that romances us into your family. A side that creates a safe space for us to acknowledge all of the darkness in our life, all of the, the evil, all of the stuff, and even show us things that we don't even know yet. And give us the freedom to acknowledge that. And you love us in spite of all of that. Father, indeed, uh, your loving kindness is new every day. And for that, we're grateful. And for that, we, we apologize. We confess that oftentimes we don't meet a new day with that as a controlling truth. And so in the next few minutes, as we have a chance to experience this incredible song, Father, I pray there's some of us who who, who just need to say yes to Jesus. Yes, I want to figure out what that child thing is. I want to lean into that. And and this may be a, a, a beginning moment for some of us. For others of us, Father, this will be a moment of of great emotion when we once again remind ourselves how great your love is. We are so grateful for who you are and what you've done for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.